Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster that sh- I'm just your patrons. I'm just here to keep it simple. I'm just I'm simply here to put you to sleep uh, in the most convoluted way possible. It's time for Sleep With Me podcast to put you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing and turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Uh, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. I'm, trouble. I'm still doing math. Uh, it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest of what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, so stuff you're thinking about, something you're uh, feeling emotionally or experiencing physically. Uh, So thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, uh, travel, uh, just, just, you know, stuff, anticipation or whatever the other one is, you know, uh, stuff, whatever, you know, being human, it's not easy. And if you can't sleep or you're having trouble getting to sleep, it's even tougher. And that's why I'm here to help. Uh, what I'm going to do is I have this uh, oral, uh, aural, I always get those two, you know, make, those are. it's like a tongue twister, oral and aural. Uh, maybe we could do a tongue twister with that because I just realized that coral sounds like the coral and coral, oral and aural. Maybe that could be. Does any does George, any of George Foreman's Georges uh, listen to this podcast? One, two. Would you be interested in? Uh, do you have a litter of kittens you'd like to name, or like me to name? I guess uh, uh, because uh, we could, and maybe we could work some math into that. I don't know, but uh, I'm going to try to create a safe place. Or, you know, that's what I was saying is I'm going to smooth it, I'm going to pat it, I'm going to rub it down. I'm going to give you your space within the safe place. Uh, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, uh, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Those are creaky dulcets. You know, people say, Scoots, what's a creaky dulcet? Or they say, well... You know, when you hear a door creak, it, it, the pot, you know, the, 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 there's like a lot of times that's, you know, in, in mo- big movies that's portrayed as like a, something or in those records of uh, sound effects, you say, oh boy, a door's creaking. You know, this is, in this podcast, the, that's the creaky. The dulcet would be, I guess if the door was creaking because like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or the tooth fairy, or a person just that's going to give you a kiss on the forehead good night, or someone's going to tuck you in. I guess those would be the like you'd say, oh, that's a that's a nice creaky. Or you say, oh, that's a oh, now mom and dad are going to bed kind of creaky. You say, okay, I don't know. So creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. You might say, what was a pointless meander? I think you've seen a few already. At a pointless, uh, some pointless arithmetic. It wasn't actually pointless. It just uh, was a different kind of pointless. Where I said, "Hmm, inconclusive arithmetic uh, is like a pointless meander." Then we had a point. I don't know if it was a pointless meander trying to name 
I, I mean, that's is that new rhyming conventions? I mean, words that are already rhymed. I don't know if you could say it's a new rhyming convention. That makes me think of like what happened to the old rhyming convention. You say, "What the heck?" Well, I used to go to that, you know, before uh, you know, big rhymes, but bought it out and you know, corporate, corp, you know, made it all corporate. And I'd say, "Is big rhymes uh, anything? Is Busta rhyme? Where's Busta rhymes fall?" Like, which one's Busta Rhymes going to be at? Because I could go to that one. You see, actually, they, like, uh, I don't know. We'd have to check the schedule. Okay, so you're, are you going to the new rhyming conventions or, convention or the old rhyme? I'm going to go, you know what, I'm going both. And the one, there's actually the one where rhymes spelled differently. That one is even, it's O-L-D-E rhyming convention. Wow, that's confusing. So there's an old rhyming convention. There's like a ye old rhyming convention, even though it's just called old rhyming convention. And then there's a new rhyming convention. You know, where's a poor convention na- just named a rhyming convention left? Uh, oh, I'm in the middle of a podcast intro. Thanks. Uh, so pointless meanders. So that was, uh, I guess, an extra one. Superfluous tangents. Maybe that's what that was. Uh, a go off topic is basically the shorthand of it. And the whole thing, the whole idea of the show is that I'm here to keep you company as you fall asleep. Uh, if you're new, I'm glad you're here. The only advice I would give you is to kind of uh, consume the podcast a little bit passively at first, because uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's a bit different and it doesn't work for everybody, but for most of the people it works for, they listen a couple times and then, they, and then it starts to work for them. You know, once they realize that the podcast is a bit like it, it's gelatinous, and you see, but it's a, it's a digital podcast. How could it be? And they say, well, I don't know how, I don't know why it's gelatinous, but it is. Like, uh, I don't know. You've been to podcast, they've lined up my podcast against other podcasts, and they say, yep, nor, like, uh, this one's full ones and zeros. Well, zeros and ones. Uh, oh, this one was done. Uh, you know, this one was done, what do you call that? Uh, that's not ones and zeros, uh, whatever that, how do digital and what, I don't know, the other one that's not, and they say, okay, yeah, that's an old school podcast. It's done with the older equipment, hasn't been digitized yet. Uh, and then we have this one. Okay. What is it? Uh, well, it looks like a bowl of gelatin, but it's actually a sleep podcast. Uh, in, you know, it's in, it's in metaphoric form right now. All the other podcasts, uh, no, I can't, I guess I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, all, a lot, there's, I'd say, I'm going to have to shut this podcast convention down because there's so many that could be met, good metaphors. Unfortunately, I got to focus on my new listener, my regular listener. So I got to leave this, that convention too. Okay. So I'm here. And if you're new, let me give you an idea what to expect. Uh, obviously, unexpected stuff that's, you know, kind of uh, strange and tangential. Uh, but structurally, what to expect. The show, you already heard this. It starts off with a few minutes of business. And that's kind of the probably the, supposed to be the most riveting part of the show because that's how we keep it free for everybody. So that's like a little bit more upbeat. Uh, then there's an intro. And the intro consists of, uh, it's, uh, what do you call it? It's a bit of meandering. It gives people a chance to wind down as they get ready for bed or as they are in bed and, they, they, you know, to, to unwind. 
I guess that's like winding down, unwinding, uh, chilling out, getting settled in, whatever word you want to use for it. Uh, that's what the intro is. It's about 12 to 16 minutes or so. Now, some listeners will say, Scoots, I want you to get straight to the story, or in this case, the recap of Doctor Who. You know, just skip to about 18 or 20 minutes. You know, ideally, you listen to the beginning of the show so you know how to support it, and then you skip ahead. But uh, you could skip ahead to 18, 20 minutes and get right into that content if you want to. Some listeners, they also usually support the show. They fall asleep during the intro. Uh, and then some people listen to it during the day as a de-stressor or they listen as they're getting ready for bed. So there's no wrong way to use it, but that's just how the show's structured. Uh, and then it can be repurposed. I guess those are examples of repurposing the show. Uh, but mostly the intro in a perfect world is, uh, introductory to new listeners and confusing. I mean, unintentionally just by me being myself. And, uh, you know, as a wind down. So that's the intro. Then there'll be some business between the uh, intro and the show. And then there's, uh, uh, we'll be talking about Doctor Who, uh, an episode of Doctor Who. And we'll be talking about it in a pretty meandering way. Will you say, Scoots, are you sure you watched that episode? Really? Because Or they'll say, man, I, which episode was he talking about? Uh because it didn't, I wasn't totally clear to me, and so it'd be very sleepy. If you say, "Well, I don't know about that episode with those, uh, you know, those one, those things that are like robots," I'm not cutting. I said, "Don't worry, I'll make it lulling and soothing for you." And then the show ends with a thank yous, and that's why I say, "Don't worry," it's because I'm really here to help. I've been there. And make the show to, to oh, to, so that you don't need to listen to it, but also you don't feel any pressure to fall asleep. So no need to listen to me. But I also, like, want to give you plenty of time. The reason the shows are over an hour, right around an hour, is so you can kind of fall asleep at your leisure. Like, so you say, okay, uh, I'm kind of listening here, kind of don't know what he's talking about, and then... Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's distracting. I'm relaxed. You know, I'm relaxing. I can kind of picture do- the doctor and the rose. You say, well, it's rose, but you could you could call her the rose. Uh, and then hopefully you fall asleep. Or if you don't, though, I'll be here till the very end. And you could cue. So if you can't sleep, you're going through something. We're just looking for some company. I'm here to help do that, you know, fill that role too. Because that's really what the audio was there for me when I couldn't sleep is uh, just listening to a friendly voice in the deep, dark night with, uh, you know, something barely interesting to say that maybe put a smile on your face, maybe put a neutral look on your face. Uh, So that's basically it. I mean, other than thinking about uh, the pitch, uh, again, to rename, if anybody does have any pets, uh, what do we say? Coral, oral, aural, boral, no doubt about it. Uh, Moral. (laughs) Can you imagine being the one name? You say, why'd you name me moral? I just like, especially if it's a cat, it's like, I'm I'm the cat that likes to screw around. And, you know, not like that, Scoots. I mean, the other kind, like play, you know, take other cats' uh, balls of string. And I say, moral, come on, you can't do that. Uh, cor- you know, give give this ball of string back to Coral. 
Norl. I know it's hard that I named you Norl since it's not really a word, but I just love saying it. And you know, you were you were you came right after moral, plural. Uh, you you're twins, uh, so I had to name one of you plural. That's how we say the, the. That's how they say. I think that might be how they say it in Ron Conkema. Another Ron Conkema shout out. Uh, plural. I don't know. I don't have my Ron Conkema accent on me right now. Plural. Coral. Hey, that's not the Ron, That's not a good Long Island accent. You know, you got it when you don't have it. You just got to admit it. You can't fake it. Uh, you can't fake the Conkema. Uh, and shout out to everybody that I hear from, like uh, when I mention it, because uh, I love the strong. Uh, so what else? I think that said, uh, you, you know, I fit in a little pandering to, to, to Long Island, so you can never go wrong with that. So yeah, George Foreman, if you, if anybody, if any of the George Foremans are listening, you know, think about that as a naming convention for your children. Words that rhyme with, oh wait, my part of my brain said oral and aural don't rhyme. And I'd say, well, to you they don't. In, 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 when, you, when you say it with your heart and not your ears and your mouth, they do. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. I really appreciate you stopping by. Give it a few tries if you're new. See if the podcast helps. It doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but I really work very hard. I yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. And thanks again for coming by. Oh, and here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. Uh, when your hand hits it for tomorrow, sleep with me podcast.com slash sponsors. Thanks. All right, everybody. We're talking uh, season two or series two, episode 13 or 12, depending on how you're counting. Army of big farmers. Uh, it starts with Rose, a voice over Rose, uh, Earth and Moon from Space. Uh, Rose has this Khaleesi level moment, actually. Uh, it starts with a jump-cooing jum, flashback, a gum-chewing flashback. And uh, Doctor One, we see the first Doctor, I mean, whatever the number Doctor is. Uh, and then the, the current Doctor, I know. Oh, I said I know, like I know I'm wrong. It's not Doctor One and Doctor Two. Musical Machine, what does that mean? I don't know, these notes are... Uh, and then I was wondering about the mystery machine. We see the doctor and the rose on a planet with uh, manta rays and manta ray pterodactyls. Uh, that's the planet. Then we see Rose on a beach. She's glum, I would say. That was a word I used, or maybe that was a word she used. Uh, let's just see while the episode opens. What did she say? You know, this is uh, Earth where I was born and uh, where I went uh, to become a big farmer. First 19 years of my life, nothing happened, and then I met the doctor. Man who could change his face, took me away from home in his magical machine. There we go. Showed me the whole time and space, thought it would never end. Rose even says, I think I'm going to be with you forever. And then came the army of the big farmers, Torchwood, and the WA to the R, what's it good for? This is that story, how it ended. Uh, then we have a, a playground, blue, blue, bluish playground. TARDIS appears. Rose puts on her backpack. At first I said, what's in there? But then she says, laundry. There's fun There's fun music at this part of the show. Big. They go to Jackie's house. Big hugs and kisses. Uh, WTF. What did I WTF? Oh, J- Jackie kisses the doctor on the face. Uh, 
She goes, oh, no, you don't. Get over here. Uh, oh, you're a lovely big fella. You're all mine. And the doctor says, put me down. Rose has her backpack, backpack full of uh, laundry. She gives uh, Jackie a, a, like an asteroid bazaar uh, thing, bazoolium or something. Uh, if it gets cold, it predicts the weather. Cold, it's rain. Warm, it's sunny. And Jackie has a surprise. Uh, silver moon sculptor. I don't know. Oh, there's a sculpture. Let me see if I could see it. Uh, yeah, I see it in the background. It's uh, she, Jackie has like a lot of uh, white. Uh, I guess what are those things called? Not porcelain because they're shiny sculptures. And one is a silver moon. Another one is a shell. Not a silver silver of a moon. Excuse me. Uh, milk on the counter. Jackie's milk's out. Maybe she was just making tea. Doctor, say hello. Uh, let me see. She goes, oh, just guess who's coming to visit. It'll be 10 Granddad Prentice. Uh, he's on his way. Uh, and they say J- Jackie's like off a rocker, kind of. Uh, uh, then we see Doctor Who on the Doctor and the Rose on the run. Oh, because after the Grandpa Prentice shows up, he's a, he's a big farmer. Uh, they run outside. There's big farmers everywhere. It is called the Big Farm Shift. Uh, the Big Farm Shift. Is, they said, when do big farmers shift, and when is there a shift of big farm? When do shifts have big farmers? And they say twelve ends at twelve minutes past. This is a quick shift where big farmers come to visit. Uh, and then it cuts to a secret lab at Torchwood Institute, uh, where we see science types uh, and uh, like a science leader type. And she says, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary trees and multiforms, uh, we've got uh, 5,000 gigawatts or gig- whatever the doctor doesn't say, like whatever. She says a difference and they say it in Back to the Future. I think he says gigawatts and maybe she says gig. I don't know. And she says, give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, uh, Back to the Future, Teak on Westminster Bridge. Uh, uh, whatever, there's big farmers on the Westminster Bridge uh, of true purpose. Oh, no, T's. Okay, so they they do this news montage. Uh, doctor's watching with his glasses on from the floor. He's changing channels, and they say, oh, they're uh, gathered on Westminster Bridge like they're in uh, formation. Little T's there. Uh, we see the Trisha Goddard show. A uh, product called Ecto Shine for your big shine up your big farmers. Oh, I didn't get to look up the show. What show? Trisha Goddard show, where uh, they get thrown out of a pub. Uh, oh, it's EastEnders. I knew it was a famous show. It uh, and one of the big farmers gets kicked out of the pub. Uh, TV. Uh, Doctor watches TV on the floor with his glasses on. I just tried to scroll up on my notebook there. To be honest with you, it's the first time it's happened in a recording of the podcast. I mean, it's clearly my handwriting's not a smart screen. The uh, doctor's kind of spoiling it. Jack, he says, uh, "Just a Mary something." There's fresh flowers in Rose's house, uh, uh, but the doctor says, "Let's see." He says, this can't be good that there's big farmers uh, running around. And I don't think it's your granddad. And Jackie says, well, it feels like him. 
And the doctor goes, maybe you're it's a psychic or maybe you want it to be him. Uh, just a match, just your memory, Jackie. And Rose goes, what if the big farmers aren't the big farmers we think they are? And Jackie goes, no, no, they're big farmers. Humans used to be human, now they're big farmers. And she goes, they're blurry. And the doctor goes, yeah, I don't know. They're pressing themselves into the surface of the world, but a footprint doesn't look like boots. Good old doctor's observation. Uh, uh, let's see. Footprint doesn't look like boots. Uh, big doing Sudokus. Oh, Raj is doing Sudokus. Uh, let's see. B- 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 book 509, maybe. And Yvonne goes, yeah, we just had a ghost shift. Uh, uh, there's lots of random equipment in the lab, a big flat, uh, at first it looked like one angle, it looked like a flat sphere. And then in other angles, it looks like an actual sphere. Uh, everybody's got a Bluetooth thing in their ear. Uh, then, uh, Raj, he goes to touch it, uh, and he, uh, he goes to touch, he can't, holds his hand up to the sphere, but he can't touch it. It's kind of this weird moment, uh. Oh, co- then we have a couple of coworkers like that seem like they like each other. One of them says, "I'm going to go double check the stacks, yo." And you know they're like, uh, "I am each other." And they go out. They say uh, another one says, "I'm going to go cross check the levels." A familiar person. You could see stardom on one of the the, the actor actresses. You could see that one of these characters, uh, the person portraying them, clearly got star quality. Uh, but so they say, then they talk about snogging, which again, I had to look up. Does that mean just kissing or the other thing? Uh, do, 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 oh, then, uh, oh, I didn't like the guy Gareth. Uh, he uses some, uh, one of them uses the term daft. And there's lots of tarps, and then we see a cyber person. We say, oh, well, Gareth didn't know what a cyber person was. Uh, Then we go back to Rose and the doctor and the TARDIS. Rose brings a newspaper uh, onto the TARDIS. Uh, They said, Big Farmer's going to be the MP for Leeds. Uh, What are we going to do? And then we have a cute little moment uh, where the doctor's kind of uh, like a steampunk uh, big farm buster, like a dust buster. Super cute, yeah. Moment, and he said he's marching around, which I don't remember the Dustbusters marching. Uh, but he says, "Who are you going to call?" Uh, and Rose says, "Dustbusters," and he says, "I ain't afraid of no ghost." Uh, and then there's action music. Uh, don't you think this is uh, something? What does that say? But they're trying to triangulate where the dust busting's coming from, like tracing paper or something. Oh, Jackie says, why do you have to reduce everything to science? Uh, isn't this beautiful? And doctor goes, no, I don't think so. Uh, let's see, Sudoku, that's the top of the page. He tells Rose, uh, Rose kind of how to operate this, the, all, all the trackers and what buttons and levers to use while he's out there. Uh, setting 15B, 8 seconds, uh, goes below, deep scan on the left, uh, but don't push that one. Push the other one that's close to it. Uh, Jackie watches us with the hands in her pockets. We go back to Torchwood, roaming up a double booth tooth and the lovebirds. Uh, 
so we see the two co-workers. They have double Bluetooth now. Then we go back to actor and Rose in action. Jackie's not happy. I think Jackie says, shame, shame, know your name. Uh, let's see, powering up. Uh, sorry, we're late. Uh, oh, yeah, Jackie gives Rose this kind of not great speech. Uh, she says, uh, "Why you, you're starting to look like the doctor. And Rose goes, I guess. And she goes, you changed so much. And Rose goes, yeah, I've changed and I've evolved. And Jackie says, I suppose. And Rose goes, well, Mom, I used to, like, work at a, uh, like, department store. Those jobs are, and she goes, I've worked in a department store. And Jackie goes, what happens when I become a big farmer? And Rose goes, no, what? And she goes, really? Uh, then you'll never come back to Earth. Then what? And Rose goes, I don't know. I'm, like, figuring out who I am. I mean, this is paraphrasing. Jackie goes, you'll never settle down. And Rose goes, the doctor won't and I won't. I'm just going to keep on traveling. And Jackie says, and changing. In 40, 50 years time, you won't even be a regular earthling anymore. You'll be a billion miles away. And I said, Jackie, I don't appreciate that, uh, the way you're talking. But it was great writing. And then the doctor, we hear one of the great ones, uh, come on, you beauty. Uh, Ha, ha, ha. And we're on to the big farm shift uh, back at uh, Torchwood headquarters. Uh, the doctor's got his 3D glasses on as he's analyzing it. Uh, back, he basically realized someone's interfering. The doctor's working like radio knobs with radio sound effects. Uh, uh, they track them. So they do do some dust busting of a uh, big farmer, but it's still not clear what's happening. Uh, but then they track him to uh, SE15 or something, Paolo, council estate, the Paul estate. Uh, and then the doctor's on the move because the, the big farm shift ends. Uh, and then they spot him, though, with the CCTV. They say, OMG, it's the doctor and the TARDIS. And the doctor's running like a lot of uh, heavy, uh, inter- uh, what do you call it, uh, it's heavy on the um, doctor being funny at the beginning. And I don't know if this is the first one, but this is the first time I remember hearing him say Z, which is A-L-L-O-N-S-Y. But it does sound like a French word. Uh, oh, yeah, because the doctor says, I like that. Z. Uh, uh, I'm going to say Z more often. Z. Watch out, Rose. Z. You were Alon Z. I don't know how to say it, but that's what it feels like. It feels good in my mouth. Uh, and he goes, I'd like to say Alonzo, Alon Z, Alonzo, every time. And Ro- the, now the TARDIS is moving, and Rose is kind of staring, and she goes, Dude, Jackie's on board. And Jackie goes, I don't want to end up on Mars. Then the TARDIS comes into a warehouse. Cut to the chase, uh, look after Jackie. Oh, because the doctor has to go out. They're busted by the Torchwood, Team Torchwood. And uh, they say, uh, the doctor says, don't worry, I'll handle this. You stay here with Jackie. Uh, and everyone is, like, so happy to see the doctor. Uh, they say, hooray, they clap for him. 
Uh, the doctor kind of reacts in a funny way. Uh, first, he holds his hands up, then he puts his finger to his lips, then he does a cut to cut the applause sign. Corporate Capricorn, yes, uh, grabs Jackie. No, they say, uh, they say, don't you, you always travel with a, a companion. Uh, we know we got your file. And then the doctor pulls Rose out, uh, Jackie out, uh, and the doctor gives Jackie a hard time. He goes, yeah, not the, not the, like, it's very, uh, uh, he goes, too blonde, not steady on her pins. Uh, it just last week she stared into a time vortex, aged 57 years. Uh, he even says, I'm willing to trade. So it's kind of just, he's given, uh, given her, and then he says, anyway, LNZ. And Yvonne says, well, geez, we've been waiting for you. Welcome to Torchwood. And then we see some spaceships. The doctor says, well, how'd you get a spaceship? And they go, oh, yeah, we it's, uh, we took, got it for parts. Uh, remember the Sycorax? That was us. Uh, uh, she goes, the Torchwood Institute has a motto. If it's from outer space, it's ours. Uh, yeah, for the good of the British Empire. And Jackie says, the British Empire, there isn't one. They go, well, not yet. Uh, and then they show a particle beam. Uh, they say, uh, art life, uh, people skills. Oh, uh, uh, they show a particle beam and she says, says uh, thank you, Sebastian. And she was got to know people's names in this century. It's, uh, about the people skills. And I goes, any Alonzo's here? And they go, by the way, what she, she goes, Avon Hartman. And then the doctor picks up some magnet thing that it reduces mass, uh, uh, they, they, Torchwood doesn't use, they only use metric things, uh, uh, but only for Torchwood's benefit, not for the general public. Uh, this is like a lot of backstory, like backstory and history. What doctor says, what's up with the big farmers? They go, it's a side effect of some work we're doing. And they say, geez, there's so much you can teach us. Uh, we also see the TARDIS doctors like, you're never getting back. You're never getting in there. Uh, let's see, one, uh, Imperial Ton, Doctor's Eye. Oh, we see Doctor's Eye under a magnifying glass. Uh, Rose gets off the TARDIS with the psychic paper. Uh, and Rose in the hall. Oh, doctor and, uh, Doctor's in the hall. They're talking about the history of Torchwood, uh, which jumps back to 1879, episode this season with Queen Victoria. And that's when it all started. Oh, yeah, that was Torchwood Estates. Uh, they go, yeah, Doctor, you're going to teach us so much. Uh, they go into the sphere room. Doctor stares up. Uh, Jackie says, this thing feels weird. The doctor has these 3D glasses. I think I mentioned that. He puts them on, looks up and down. Raj says, uh, weighs nothing, no mass. Uh, it's absent. Uh, that's why it feels weird. And the doctor goes, it's a void ship. Uh, I thought it was impossible. Uh, it exists out time, outside of time and space. Uh, and they say, what do you mean? He goes, the space in between dimensions is a void. Uh, there's nothing there, no time. Eternals call it the, hark, uh, the howling. And the doctor says, good question is, why is it there? Like, what's going on with the ship? And they say, well, we don't know. Uh, a sphere came through the world, and then the big farmers came after it. Uh, then we see some more recruits for the cyber people. Uh, let's see. 
Rosie gets off the TARDIS now. She's wearing a turquoise sweater. There's a sarcophagi near her. Looked like old and famous. Uh, she grabs a lab coat. Uh, she follows somebody that's walking fast. Uh, the doctor goes to see the hole in the world, radar black spot, uh, 600 feet above sea levels where they found this, uh, you know, time-space anomaly. Uh, the doctor uses 3D glasses to look at that. Jackie mentions, oh, wait a second, are we in, this is Torchwood Tower, they say. She goes, isn't this Canary Wharf? Uh, uh, then the doctor does some more place setting. Uh, uh, he says, okay, so you find this uh, time-space breach. A sphere comes through 600 feet above London. He goes, what do you think happened? Uh, why are you playing around with the hole and making it bigger? And Yvonne says, well, it's energy. Uh, we can become energy independent. And she goes, you can see for yourself two minutes as a ghost shift. Yeah, there's some WTF looks, and then the doctor's like, you know what, cancel the um, ghost shift. The sphere cracked our dimension. And she goes, no, 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 we're in control. Shifts in one minute. Uh, and the doctor does a reverse, old reverse move. He goes, okay, go ahead as you were. Could I have some tea? Good luck with that ghost shift. Uh, and he stares down Yvonne with a poker face. And then she says, thank you. Uh, or uh, she stops shift. Doctor says, thank you. The doctor says, I'm glad to be a help. Uh, and uh, then she says, clean up this mess the doctor made. We heard you like to make a mess. Uh, then the doctor and Jackie share a knowing look. Uh, then robot shine and look at try work on computers. Oh, then the side, like the Bluetooth, double Bluetooth cyber recruits share the look, and then they go back to work on their computers. Rose follows the fast walkers past the sign for the lever room. She kisses her psychic paper, it gets her into the uh, sphere room, and she's checking it out. And then Raj rolls up on her, uh, and Rose says, What you want? Uh, tell me what you want. Uh, and Rose goes, oh, like, I'm, in, I'm looking for whoever you caught here. Uh, and she shows the psychic paper, and he says, oh, we have a basic level of psychic training. That's psychic paper. Then he says, Samuel, close the doors. And we see that Samuel is Mickey, which is a bit of a leap. Uh, Mickey looks good. Dr. All-Stars, oh, his Converse All-Stars are on the desk. Uh, and they're FaceTiming with Raj, and Yvonne says, who's this dude? Who's this? And he goes, okay, that's Rose Tyler. And they say, oh, so you travel with her mother. They say, who's this? Well, her mom. They say, travel with her mom. And the doctor goes, don't tell anybody that. I got to keep it on the low. Uh, hello, you travel with her mother? I have a reputation of old. Uh, then everything goes into... Um, big farm shift override uh, and they say we're going into it with that they say what are you doing shut it down also they were figuring out like uh, they, they did more bag story exploring they say you know shut down Addie, gareth uh, matt uh, shut down the uh, big farm shift andrew and i said yeah and the doctor goes it's an override they get double bluetooth uh, we're going into the big farm shift uh uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, override. The sphere starts shaking. There's dramatic music. Uh, the doctor's able to shut down everybody's Bluetooth. He says it's coming from a remote transmitter somewhere nearby. Uh, Raj says the sphere's active and it exists. Uh, 
Mickey's super confident, like, like so not just confident, but confidence from competence. Uh, the doctor starts looking into the tarps where the cyber people were. And he says, Jesus is like a world's collide situation. This is advanced to cyber guard and we're surrounded. Uh, then Mickey explains his plan to Rose of why he's so confident. Uh, he says, we, we've, t- we've won this before. We'll win it again. Rose goes against what? And Mickey goes, who do you think? Uh, and the sphere starts to shake more. We see the uh, uh, big farm shift is at 100% uh, or increased to 100% or something. Uh, then we hear the cyber walking uh, sound effects. Uh, I don't know what that says. Hard, harkless, harness. Uh, uh, but uh, let's see. So Yvonne and the doctor, they're co- they're caught with the cyber people. Uh, let's see. Mickey says, okay, yeah, we had already uh, conquered the cyber people. Then they vanished. They found a way into this world. So did we. And Rose goes, Rose says, I thought that was impossible. The doctor said it was. And Mickey goes, the doctor's been wrong before. And Rose goes, what's inside the sphere? And Mickey goes, I don't know, cyber leader, cyber king, emperor of cyber people. I'm going to, I'm on it. Uh, I say, oh, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, the doctor says, okay, we're caught. Let's just try to figure out a plan. And let's see, sphere. Or, uh, Mickey takes off his lab coat. Uh, it, wicked cool. As the sphere slowly opens. Uh, Jackie says WTF, and then the doctor says the footprint does not look like a boot. Uh, and with dramatic action music all across the world, we see the cyber people taking over tourist uh, tourist locations globally, and saying uh, we were big farmers, and now we're cyberly in control of these tourist destinations. Uh, even one family, which was like kind of cow, they say. There was one upstairs, like they said, our house is a tourist destination, I guess. Yvonne says it's an invade, and doctors know it's a victory. Sheppel activated. I don't know what that is. It looks like S-H-E-P-L-E activated, opens the lights. Let me just see here. Uh, Can anyone hear me? Uh, oh, sphere opens. Is that what this is? A sphere activated. Yeah, I guess that's what it says. Doctor could see that on a computer. That's what it was. It's open. The light's coming out. Mickey has a modern turtleneck on, very, like, from the future. And he says, I'm Mickey, Mickey Smith, defender of the earth, yo. Yeah, the world realizes everything that's happening. The doctor's confused because he gives a final reveal. He says, I don't get it, though. Why would the cyber people have a void ship? Uh, And so he asks the cyber person, how'd you create the sphere? And the cyber person says, the sphere is not ours. And the doctor says, what do you mean? I said, it broke down the barriers between worlds. Uh, We followed. Uh, We we don't know its origin. Unknown. And then we get another bill. The doctor goes, what's in there? And Jackie says, Rose is down there. And then we see it open. And out of it, Mickey and Rose, uh, Mickey goes, those aren't Cybermen. Rose goes, oh, boy. We thought our problem was big farmers. It's going to be every comic book on Earth because it's Daleks. 
and there's four of them. Three are gold, like rose gold, just like the phones, and one's space gray. And it ends with, you know, w, big WTF. Uh, it was uh, ends on a, whatever that is, like a Dalek hanger. And, of course, the Daleks are saying, no comics, no comics, no comics. Um, okay, so let's go to the notes here. What do we have? The first thing that came up was Mystery Machine. And this is from scoobydoo.fandom.com. This may only apply to Scooby-Doo, where are you? Uh, Mystery Machine is a main form of transportation of Mystery Inc. Uh, Fred is the owner. Very strong attachment to it, though he has lent it to Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and Scrappy uh, when they had their own show. It, uh, it looks like a 60s-era panel van, uh, but it, like uh, some details indicate it's not a particular model of any lineage. Uh, Painted medium blue, horizontal green stripe, uh, two orange flowers, uh, labeled the mystery machine in orange, uh, spare tire, two roof racks, uh, what else, uh, back has equipment, uh, bench running long wise, this can be stored in the rear of the van, uh, back can fit a table and chairs, walls may be lined with computer equipment, large antenna can be attached to the roof. Uh, sometimes it's also filled with kitchen cabinets. Uh, this is a history. I don't know exactly what this is from, though. This is from the fandom. It was once known uh, with a popular band, the Mystery Kids, uh, and play, painted by Flash Vanagon. Uh, then it was a news van for uh, Daphne Blake's show, Coast to Coast, with Daphne Blake. Fred was her producer. And then they use it for subsequent adventures. Uh, um, interesting. Uh, the mystery machine. Uh, yeah, so I guess this is kind of depends on what era show. But I just did want to see what was written about it. Oh, it's from a, a show, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Okay, what about uh, pterodactyls? Uh, uh, mo- like... Uh, Fossils uh, primarily found in Bavaria, Germany, in limestone, dated to Jurassic period. Probably ate a bit like a bird, like a like a raptor. Uh, wings uh, uh, had collagen, cartaceous, or something. Uh, it's known for over thirty fossil specimens, uh, mostly juveniles. Uh, Let's see, there was different ones. There's one that was like three feet, five inches wingspan. Others that were smaller. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. This is like a really dense uh, article. So I don't want to, like, especially because people are such dinosaur fans and take it so seriously. Uh, but I just wanted to acknowledge that something that looked like that uh, was on the episode. Yeah, that's like too deep to dig into. Um, let's look up, here you go. If you're studying for uh, any tests, uh, GLUM, well, it's a short word, uh, according to Merriam-Webster, GLUM, G-L-U-M, it's an adjective, uh, GLUMmer, GLUMist, uh, that's with two M's, uh, it could be broodingly morose, uh, sounds like my middle name, or dreary and gloomy, uh, so, a GLUM, you could use it in a sentence and you could spell it G-L-U-M. Another thing I noticed in this episode was the music, maybe because it was like this two-part or season finale. 
Uh, so I looked up on uh, TARDIS Data Core, Dr. Wiki. Uh, let's see. Uh, and uh, oh, the soundtrack from Series 1 and 2. Uh, I was trying to look for, uh, my, let's see. Doctor, series one, season two featured music uh, from different things. Uh, Neil Hannon. Oh, this came out as a soundtrack for series one and series two. So you probably stream it somewhere. I'm just looking for the credits myself. It looks like there's 31 tracks. Uh, it features um, a picture of the ninth doctor, a cyber person, the tenth doctor. Uh, novice Haim, Rose, and a Dalek, uh, and one of the Slovene. Um, but it doesn't have any credits here. That's what I was kind of looking up. Uh, it's who does all this amazing music. Um, and I guess I flopped on that one. Uh, so I guess that's, yeah. So that didn't work out. What about the uh, uh, Westminster Bridge? It's a road and foot traffic bridge over the River Thames in London, linking Westminster to Lambeth. Uh, it's painted predominantly green, same color as the leather seats in the House of Common, which uh, on the side of the Palace of Westminster nearest the bridge. Uh, it's in contrast to the Lamb- Lambeth Bridge, uh, which is red, the same color as the seats of the House of Lords on the opposite side. Uh, went under a refurbishment in 2005 to 2007. Uh, it links the Palace of Westminster uh, on the west side with County Hall and the London Eye on the east side. Was a finishing point uh, in the early years of the London Marathon. Uh, historically, this is all from Wikipedia. For over 600 years, uh, the nearest uh, Thames Bridge to London Bridge was uh, Kingston in late Tudor times. Uh, Congestion of the trading hours at London Bridge uh, was more than an hour. They even had traffic back then. Uh, 1664 bridge was proposed, uh, but opposed by the Corporation of London and the Water People. Uh, then 1722, still opposed. Uh, over intervening bridge at Timber Bridge was built in Putney in 1729. And uh, the bridge got a Approval in 1736, uh, financed by private capital, lotteries, and grants. It was built between 39 and uh, 50, 1739-1750, and opened October or November 18th, 1750. Uh, City of London responded uh, to Westminster Bridge and the population growth by removing buildings on the London Bridge uh, and widening it in 1760-63. and then it, it, there was others over the next few decades that got built. Uh, it assisted in expanding, expanding the West End and developing to the developing, assisted in expanding the West End to the developing South London. Let's see. It was difficult to me. Uh, yeah, let's see what else. Uh, I think that's it for right now. I just wanted to check in on it, you know. Um, Oh, let's check about gigawatts. Like, how much power is one gigawatt? I think they said 400 gigawatts or something. And 1.1 gigawatts uh, is uh, from uh, Back to the Future. Oh, it's 1.21. Let's see. So, admittedly, we don't have time travel. We can analyze power. This is from uh, the energy.gov. So, how much power is one gigawatt? Uh, 
it is equal to 3.125 million uh, PV panels, uh, 431 utility scale wind turbines, uh, 100 million LEDs, uh, 1.3 million horses, uh, uh, 2,000 Corvette Zs uh, something, 9,090 Nissan Leafs, because uh, it has a 110 kilowatt motor, and that's it. So they don't really give us like, uh, there's 1 billion watts and 1 gigawatt. Uh, so, for instance, at the end of 2017, there's only 104, 144 gigawatts of sol- solar and wind power combined. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of it. Uh, so I'll link to that if you want to see the pictures in there. Okay. What about Trisha Goddard? Does she got some time on the show? It's a real show. Uh, English television presenter. This is on Wikipedia. Uh, she had a morning talk show, Trisha, uh, which was in, then, uh, in a mid morning spot on ITV then moved to channel five. Uh, she's been based in the U S since 2010 when she started working on uh, the TV show, Maury. Uh, she had her own show, Trisha Goddard show, from 2012 to 2014. Uh, let's see. Uh, it was a writer for travel magazines after setting up in Australia in the 1980s, uh, then began a career in television. Uh, she was on the 730 Report, uh, a t- children's show called Play School. Uh, then in 1980, 1998, returned to the UK as a... Uh, uh, host of the ITV flagship daytime show, BAFTA winning Trisha. Uh, then 2004 joined Five and a new program called Trisha Goddard, uh, uh, focused on, uh, you know, human stuff uh, and uh, great history. Uh, she's also been on, uh, it was on the comic relief episode of Little Britain and a Dr. Hugh Who episode. Uh, what not to wear Christmas special, uh, Friday night project, uh, who wants to be a millionaire. And, uh, yeah, they just saw like, sometimes it's like, is that a real uh, pop culture reference or a fake one? That's a real one. Snog, we looked up. That means to kiss, uh, daft. That's another short word. You could, you may come up on a test. Uh, D-A-F-T, it's an adjective, again, silly or foolish. Uh, in Scotland, it could be frivolously merry. Uh, you know, or you could just say scoots is daft, which without a doubt I am. Uh, okay, what about 3D glasses? Okay, a polarized 3D system, according to Wikipedia, uses polarization. Wait, is this the wrong kind? It might be to create an illusion of 3D uh Three dimensions about restricting the light uh, to present stereo stereoscopic images in films. Two images are projected superimposed uh, through different polarizing filters. Uh, is each uh, like the viewers wear low cost eyeglasses, which have uh, let's see though. I don't know if those are the right ones. Uh, polar. I don't know if they're polarized. Uh, the ones that are red and orange, uh, or whatever they are. Uh, let's see, polarized in history was uh, demonstrated experimentally in the 1890s. Uh, uh, then 3D glasses became practical after the invention of the Polaroid plastic sheet polarizers by Edwin Land. Uh, 
who demonstrated them in uh, 1934. At the New York Museum of Science and Industry, there was an exhibit in 1936. Uh, details about those glasses are not available. In 1939, World's Fair, a short polarized film, with, 3D film was shown at Chrysler Motors. Uh, cardboard glasses with uh, larger filters, uh, let's see, it became a fad in the 50s. Uh, there was a life cover of someone wearing 3D glasses. Uh, let's see the front with the film's title, like his giveaways. Uh, that is, let's see, imaginatively colorized versions have helped spread the myth uh, that 3D movies of the 50s were projected by analograph color filter method, uh, but it was only used for a short time. Beginning in the 70s, some 1950s uh, feature films were re released in the anaglyph form. Uh, so they could be showed without special projection equipment. Uh, Polaroid, so maybe those were the ones. Uh, I don't know. Let me see what this analograph color, analograph uh, is uh, the stereoscopic 3D effect achieved by means of encoding each eye is using filters of differently color, different colors, so usually chromatically opposite, red and cyan or cyan. Uh, the three images contain two differently filtered color images, one for each eye. When viewed for the color-coded anagraph glasses, uh, each of the two images reaches the eye it's intended for, revealing an integrated stereoscopic, stereoscopic image. Uh, the visual cortex of the brain fuses this into a three-dimensional scene or composition. Uh, it's low-cost, uh, and they could have accurate color filters that. Uh, after 2002, used all three primary colors, so the current norm is red and cyan, uh, red being used for the left channel. Uh, so I think those are the ones I was talking about. Uh, yeah, I guess I was. I just jumped on the polarization one. Yeah, because they're talking about the, the the our friend from the big the the big the big goon friend. Uh, uh, there was a movie about a big fish. Uh, so, yeah, I'll link to that uh, in the show notes as well. This was something I wanted to look up last episode. I didn't look, have a chance to. Is Council House and Council Estates. And this really interested me because uh, it's not anything I knew about. Uh, so Council House is a form of British public housing built by local authorities. As in, and a council estate is a complex of council houses and other amenities like schools and shops. Uh, construction was just mainly after 1919, uh, the Housing Act, uh, to the 80s, uh, with less council housing built in recent decades. Uh, uh, the house design in the UK is defined by a series of housing acts. Uh, public housing design is defined by the government directives and central government's relationship with local authorities. Starting with the Public Health Act of uh, 1875, uh, council houses could be generally housing the working class uh, or uh, to those who need it. Uh, they could be funded by local councils, a central government incentive, or by revenue obtained when other houses are sold. Increasingly, they have been transferred through the instrument of housing associations into the public sector, uh, starting like. Uh, uh, in this in 1916s, you know, going through all the times uh, England went through, 
And until like 1944, when they started building these prefab bungalows with the design life of 10 years, uh, but a number survive even to now. Uh, the Burke Committee, uh, because they needed housing, New Towns Act housing. Uh, well into the 1950s, the council house provision was shaped by the New Towns Act of 1946 and the Town and Country Planning Act of 1947. Uh, but they uh, removed explicit references to housing for the working class and introduced the concept of general needs construction. Uh, there's a lot about the design of these. It's probably a good 99 PI, I, I, I would guess about this, but maybe, not, maybe not. Maybe, uh, but I really was like, oh, what is it? When they say council estate, uh, what do they mean? Uh, council housing estates uh, is the character of a council estate related to the government initiative that allowed it to be built. The states of the Addison Act were mixed tenure estates with generally proportioned, semi-detached houses designed to be fit for heroes albeit only affordable by the most prosperous workers. A generosity changed in the 1930s. This sounds like it's written with a little bit of a... This is on Wikipedia, though. Uh, new towns and estates uh, planned uh, to the Tudor, Tudor Walter standard. Uh, so just a little bit about the building of them. Uh, the earliest council estates were in London, uh, is they were permitted to finance houses 10 years before non-metropolitan area in these black estates, that is, the states of uh, uh, low to medium-rise flats, uh, boundary estate. The alternative was cottage estates. So I guess something I need to probably learn more about, uh, but I like honestly w- was unfamiliar with the term, so I had to look it up, uh, and this does interest me. Allons-y, as uh, the doctor says, according to the uh, Dr. Who wiki, uh, is uh, French for let's go. Uh, it was one of the tenth doctor's favorite sayings, and maybe he gets eventually to say it uh, uh, to someone named Alonzo. Uh, the last thing let's look up is Cannery Wharf, because uh, that's where they were. It's a commercial estate on the Isles of Dogs in London, London Borough of Tower Hamlets. It's one of the main financial centers of the UK, along with the city of London. Contains many of Europe's tallest buildings, including the second tallest in the UK, one Canada Square. It's 97 acres. Uh, it's about 16 million square feet of office and retail, and uh, forms a Canary Wharf estate. Uh, it's located on the West India docks on the Isles of Dog. Dogs. Uh, it was the West India Dock Company from 1802 to the late 1980s. Uh, it was one of the busiest docks in the world. Uh, but after the 60s, the dock and the port industry began to, to, to decline. And uh, huh, I just lost my page. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, began to decline. Uh, then the Port of London Authority. Uh, Canary Wharf takes its name from the 30, number 32 berth of Westwood Quay of Import Dock, uh, London Dock. This, this is just a more about development. I was just wondering, huh, what is it? Uh, it's got a lot of the tall buildings, as they say, a bunch of them. Uh, it's got a marina, a library, two cinemas, uh, Canada Square. 
Cabot Square, Churchill Place, Columbus Courtyard, Chancellor Passage, Wren Landing. Uh, and yeah, it's, a, it's a, just a little bit about it. Uh, so you got a little bit of uh, London there. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Uh, good night, uh, and I'll talk to you soon.